Blog Talk Radio. everyone and welcome to another special edition of the Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show tonight the 2021 MLS Cup Playoffs Conference semi-final review show as we talk about these last four games in the playoffs as we talk about those that uh won their semi-final round games and then we'll see who faces whom of course in the East and West Conference final and, you know, the playoffs have been exciting. The playoffs have been entertaining. It's been uh, heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, excitement, euphoria. It has been absolutely fantastic. But while it's been looking great and it's been looking fantastic and beautiful, there's still a problem here. And I think we can all agree that we are seeing – we are seeing moments where you want to go out and watch those teams that have the number one spot in the playoffs. (coughs) Excuse me. The number one spot in the playoffs of their respective conferences to go out and get on a run and from what I have seen between both the Colorado Rapids and the New England Revolution especially the Revolution has been a major disservice to them as everyone knows it's taken a long time for these teams even though they get that bye week that bye week that is also including the November international break, the international calendar break for those for World Cup qualifying. What we saw was an early elimination of both the Revolution and the Rapids, especially the Revolution after going through that monster uh, regular season run that they put themselves into, and unfortunately, it took them into the penalty kick shootout that brought them down. Such a long layoff for those teams. Such a long layoff. And this is what happens when you're talking about these playoffs and you have the Supporter Shield winner and or the non-Supporter Shield winner going into these games, and then all of a sudden, they get eliminated. Look, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, and I understand that. But the unfairness of having such a long layoff for these teams... that are conference winners, 
that in the regular season, I, I just think that in the future with MLS, when it comes to these playoffs, I think they're going to have to go back to the old way. I really do. I think they're going to have to go back to the old way. And when I talk about the old way, this is what I mean by that. I think they're going to have to go back and make it five teams go to the playoffs. If you want the conference regular season winners to get that by, so be it. But I think you're going to have to go back in allowing the playoffs to start a week before the international break. You're going to have to start the international, you know, the playoffs before the international break. And then, and that would be for that wild card game for only two teams. And then you have the international break and then the conference semifinals. And then the finals of the conferences and then the MLS Cup final. I think that would help a lot in some ways. Now, I could be wrong, and that's fine. This is just debate. This is just discussion. Trying to find an answer to this old age problem of the unfairness of how long conference champions of the regular season have to wait before they get to play their match. And I think if you allow the wild card teams to begin right away and then have the international break coming in and then you get to restart the playoffs at the conference semifinal level, then I think that's a great idea. Because then you're giving a club an opportunity to kind of sort of catch up and have a bit of a delay, just like those conference winners are having. I also think what they should do uh, while they're waiting for their playoff games to begin, I think clubs who have that buy should contact a USL championship club that is not in their respective playoffs or who has been eliminated from their playoffs, contact the club, invite them over, have a friendly inside the training facility of where they are, and go forward. I think that would be an excellent idea. Because how much more can we expect from a club like the Revolution to basically train here, train there, having all of this time to train, and you're not playing a match. At least you get in some form of game fitness. And you treat it like it is a game. The clock out on the pitch, you get some referees to officiate it, invite them over, you tell everyone, this is a real game. 
This is a game situation. This is how we're going to treat it as such. We're going to treat this like it's a regular season game. And you go out and play, and then it's okay. Because I think we're missing a team in the Revolution and a team like the Colorado Rapids. Both have excellent coaches. Robin Frazier for Colorado. Bruce Arena for the Revolution. And these guys are basically now in the one and done. It is one and done. Nothing more, nothing less. And all you can say is, is that while we are going to have great conference final games, all I can say is, is this. We're missing out on big moments and historic moments. Big moments and historic moments of what that run for the revolution could have meant in MLS history. While it's been a great regular season game, a great regular season situation for the revolution, it's all come apart because of them falling in the playoffs. Now, let me just say this. They played the game. They did their best. They forced it into extra time. They were down in extra time, and then all of a sudden, they equalized in extra time. Then they went to the shootout. And they have nobody to blame but themselves, to be honest, because they fell in the shootout, because Adam Buxa did not take his penalty well enough to continue on, because Matt Turner, as strong as he has been, all season long for the revolution. That was his first penalty kick shootout. And you saw how uneasy he was in goal. He would move too early. That allowed the New York City FC players to convert their chances. He would bend his knees and go low to the ground, and that allowed those players to roof the ball to the top side of the net. (coughs) Matt Turner, I can definitely say, who has been an excellent goalkeeper all season long in the regular season and for the U.S. men's national team, failed in his first ever penalty kick shootout because he did not show enough patience. And even if he didn't guess right, which that's fine, I just thought he was a little too squirmy on his on his goal line. And I really thought that he put himself in a position to allow New York City FC to get a free opportunity to put the ball in the back of the net. But listen, that's Matt Turner's fault. That's not New York City's fault. New York City FC were allowed to grab a certain of the net to convert their their spot kicks and they did it they they converted all five new england converted three of the four buxa took his t- took his penalty poorly 
And it's Adam Buxa who's always been a solid player and a good player for this Revolution team. He'll probably be there for the future. But to be honest, honestly, this is the situation that uh, you have no choice in. You know, like I said, you live by the you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You live by the football, you die by the football. So all you can really say, to be honest, is that you know he tried, he tried his best to put that you know to make those saves. But he put himself in a position that basically gave NYCFC that free shot. And basically all you can do is just, you know, applaud and say, look, they, they took their penalties well and there's nothing you can do about it. But, you know, somewhere down the, down the road in the future, maybe we don't have playoffs anymore. In MLS, maybe, maybe we'll be at ProRel. Maybe we will have that. We don't have that at the moment, and we're not going to have that for a for a good long time. I, I listen, like I said, I, I know that you know there's a lot of things that needs to happen to make these changes permanent if we're going to get there. And, you know, we need to show some patience when we can make those changes. And who knows, maybe these changes will happen long after I'm, I'm gone from this earth. You never know. But let me just say that at least what we are trying to do here is to make the sport fantastic, strong, and we're trying to do our best. To make sure that the soccer is exciting and it's a lot of fun. That's all I try to do. I try to give you the information. I try to pass it along. I try to let you know, let you guys know what's the situation, what's going on. And once again, it's just hard to go out. And see these things happen in front of us. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. But once again, if MLS can fix their playoff situation um, and probably make it a lot more understanding and a lot more, you know, making it much better than what it is right now, maybe we'll perfect it. Maybe it can be perfected. But until then, we're always going to get this. And until that day comes that it's perfected and doing a lot better then we won't have any issues when it comes to the playoffs. So we'll uh, have to wait and see what the situation will be. And then we can, you know, and uh, that's about it, really. That's about it. So we'll have to wait and see uh, what's the situation and, um, going forward and then we'll definitely let you all know what what it is that uh is going to be further down the road and and how these things uh work but um it's time to talk about these MLS Cup playoffs and the semifinal round of the conferences and as of right now waiting for my first guest 
from Matt Ralph. As uh, he comes from the brotherly game of SB Nation, uh, covering the Philadelphia Union. Matt Ralph will be joining me in just a moment here. And uh, what a playoff game that was between uh, the Philadelphia Union and Nashville SC. Uh, Good opening half. Maybe somewhat of a suspect second half. Extra time looked strong and solid. But, you know, you got to say, that team with Andre Blake and goal has been absolutely fantastic. And, you know, look, Andre Blake, I have always said that he is probably one of, uh, right now, one of the best goalkeepers in MLS. One of the best goalkeepers in MLS. And it's just a moment where you have to say, he's pretty damn good. His positioning is damn good. You know, maybe a little bit suspect about what's going on with uh, Jamaica right now. And... uh, you don't know what the situation is, of course, with Jamaica. Well, we all know it's just uh, one of those things where internationally they're questionable. But, you know, Andre Blake, damn good keeper in MLS. Matt Ralph, brotherly game, SB Nation joining me right now. So, Matt, tell me, how was your stomach that night uh, over at uh, Subaru Park? I mean, that had to be the biggest roller coaster ride you've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, I'm trying to remember it now after that game last night. It was, uh, it was pretty crazy. Uh, but, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was never in doubt, of course. But uh, it was it was definitely, you know, uh, it, you know, I think once Andre Blake makes a save, like, you know, you're feeling pretty good. But just the whole lead up to it, I, you know, I, I, I lost count of how many potential own goals were in that game for both teams where, you know, clearances that, you know, it looked like they they could have caught the net. Um, I mean, it was just really a, a, a just an old fashioned battle between these two teams that both had you know just have excellent defenses, and you know it was it, it was probably inevitable that it was going to go to penalties. I think I said at halftime, like you know, just just go to penalties now uh, because these two teams are there's not there's there's very little between them and. You know, sure enough, it ended up being the better goalkeeper. Uh, one that, <laughs> it was the team with the better goalkeeper won, right? So uh, it was definitely a, a in the yeah, in the end, it's one of those games where you know everyone feels good about it because of because they win. But certainly the Nashville fans, um, you know, you know we're we're, we're not uh, we're not feeling too great after that one for good reason because it's tough to to lose a game on on penalty kicks. Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest here. Penalty kicks where Andre makes two fabulous saves on the first two spot kickers. Yep. And then you've got Mouille who misses to the right. And then the final penalty kicker for Nashville also misses to the right, which I think was Walker Zimmerman. I mean, I'm yep. looking at this and I'm like, how is this possible? I mean, I know we've seen three in a row miss during penalty kick shootouts, but how does four in a row miss like this? Someone had to hit the back of the net. And look, I give credit to Andre for making those first two saves. He he read them both correctly. You know, 
He 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 yeah. beat those two, especially Manny Hanny Mukhtar, who's been unbelievable this year. You know, for Nashville, who's probably you know already did uh, multiple scoring records for the club, even though it's only been what two years for that club in MLS right now. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Andre, like I've always said to you, out of all the players on the union that I truly respect and I truly enjoy watching, it is Andre Blake because I think he does. I think his positioning is fantastic. He reads the game well. His footwork's amazing, and his athletic ability is bar none. I mean, I would say if if you're going to battle between him and Tim Howard in his prime, I mean, you got yourself a goalkeeper battle for ages. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because, you know, obviously the week before with uh, Jacob Glesney's, uh, his, you know, basically impossible game winner, you know, Don't remind deep, me, would you deep please? into stoppage time. Um, sorry. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> obviously, obviously we thought that we, we all thought that was going to penalties, right? And in mm-hmm. that moment, you know, particularly with, you know, Carlos Cornell, you know, being, uh, being the type of goalkeeper he is where, um, you know, I think he, his, the areas of, of him that can be a little bit, you know, questionable are not like his ability to save penalties. So, um, so I think, you know, even thinking about, okay, you know, I think a lot of union fans have said, even said that afterwards, like, Oh, you know, uh, the, the feeling was that the union were going to lose on penalties in that game, just because of the way the game was going. But, you know, you know, you kind of think about, okay, well, yes, Andre Blake is, he, I don't care what people say. He is the best goalkeeper in the league. He's the best among the best goalkeepers in CONCACAF and the region. But, you know, does that really give you that much of an advantage in the PK shootout, right? Because great goalkeepers, and you saw it with Turner last night. Um, you know, there's one he probably w- should have saved, but the rest of the, the other four penalties were, were perfectly taken penalty kicks that no one is saving, right? So, um, mm-hmm. you, you know, you can have a great goalkeeper, and, you know, if it's still a penalty kick, you know, and it's still – you have to guess right, and you have to make – even if you guess right, like you saw with the first kick for New York City last night, um, you know, you know, if, you, if, a, if, a, if a player hits it hard enough, like no keeper's stopping that, right? But then you right. see, like you said, you see how the first save really kind of sets the table. And you already have a, a team that's never been in this stage before, um, you know, not that the Union have been in that stage really before ever, but – you know they're at home. They have the River End, the the, the the rabid supporters behind them. They're behind the net. Blake makes that save, and that kind of sets the table for for the disaster that would follow for Nashville. And so I think in that moment, you know, you don't necessarily give you know a team an advantage because they have a better keeper necessarily in a penalty shootout. But when he does make that save, that 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 really I think gets into the head and this. You know, the best player on the field has a penalty kick saved. Like it's hard to kind of feel confident come following uh, following Hani after he gets that that penalty kick saved. And you know, it wasn't it, it was a great save. So um, I think in that moment, you know, Nationals kind of sunk basically because they're trying. They're already kind of going against you know, this, the, you know, it, it, this environment that's, um, and, and, you, and then you have, you, you know, you, you're seeing what, what Blake has done to, you know, two really quality players. And, you know, at that point, I mean, I, I'm still shocked that Walker Zimmerman missed it, you know, um, you know, he, he was, he was incredible on the night. I mean, he's an incredible player. I mean, deserving of center of the year. 
um, just wins everything that anywhere near him in the air. And, um, you know, just, you know, you know, just, he just fits the profile of someone you, you would think would make a penalty in that situation. So, well, obviously when it goes over, you, you know, you're thinking, okay, he's, he's, he's trying to will that ball in and, and, and not really seeing where he's going to be able to get it past Blake um, because of, so, uh-huh. you know, because of what Blake's already done. You know? <laughs> well, I know. I mean, well, let's, let's look at his for a second here. Defender of the year eliminated already. Um, goalkeeper of the year eliminated already. And, uh, who won Coach of the Year? Was it Jim? Did Jim win Coach of the Year or no? No, it was Bruce. Bruce, yeah. That's right. So Bruce is also eliminated. So, hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all knock him down. We're all going to knock him down. The, what the, the hell? The Golden, Boot winner, the Golden Boot winner isn't eliminated, but he's not going to be playing uh, until That's the final if, if, New York City, if New York City makes it. So. So let me ask you that. I want to ask you this because I know we're going to get into the uh, – obviously you're, you're hosting New York City um, in the conference final on Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock. Um, I believe that will be on ESPN or not, but maybe on Fox. We'll have to, wait. We'll have to double check on that one. But when you saw Tati Castellanos make that ill-advised two-footed tackle on the Revolution um, defender – not only was that his second yellow, but of course he was shown red, and now he's not playing in the final. Is that an advantage for the union that you're not going to have him threatening your box? Oh, I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think you know it's 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 twofold, right? I mean, Tati, you know, he's 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 a great goal scorer. He showed it last night, you know, getting the goal that that really put New England on 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 their backs and. Certainly, Buchanan came up with a big equalizer to send it to penalties. But, you know, I think his ability to score and create off the ball is, is, is a huge lift for the for the union in terms of heading that game. But I also say, too, that he, you know, it's going to be a close game again. And he's the type of player that, you know, it, it goes down a lot. And, and sometimes and he's definitely gotten calls against the union for questionable you know, 50-50 ball a couple of years ago with with uh, with Bedoy in the box, and you know he's the type of guy that you know whether he's you know drawing a penalty or he's you know coming up with a goal like he had last night. I mean, he is just he's a menace, and you know he drew a, a 15 a, a red card against Jose Mart- Martinez in the 15th minute of the, the game early in the season with the the, the New York City won in in Chester, and so. He he, you know, obviously a lot said about his ability to score and and create and all that, but he he's also just a menace, and I think it'll be a lift for the for the union in terms of you know not having him you know kind of getting in their heads a little bit, you know, getting you know Flock and Jose Martinez upset with some of his shenanigans. So I think it's a, it, you know, and the Union fans were rightfully giddy when when they saw uh, saw that transpire last night. I think I think a lot of fans were saying, you know, the best case scenario is for obviously wanting a home game is is for for New York City to win and for them to go to extra time and for Toddy to get sent off. So those things all happen. <laughs> so, um, but I, you know. On balance, like I, I still think New York City is a very dangerous team. They're they're playing really well. Um, you know, there was, you know, it was kind of a, a back and forth affair on decision day and the one one draw. And um, you know, the, the Union have played some of their best games. I mean, one of their best games this season was a one oh one oh win over New York City. One of the 
the the the, the game a few years ago, you know, when uh, Bordas Kau was just you know uh, carving New York City apart. I mean that that's one of the best games that you know Philadelphia maybe has ever played was against New York City at home. So they definitely have a history of playing well against New York City at home. You know, obviously you lose a Jose Martinez in the 15th minute, you know, you know, you have an excuse to not win that game at home against New York city like they did early in the season, but um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be a fight. And, you know, I, you know, you know, some people will say, Oh, well they have shorter rest. Like sometimes I I wonder if the shorter rest is actually beneficial to a team like New York city who just knocked off new England on the road. And I mean, they're just, you, you saw, the way they took their penalties and just the co- the confidence was just oozing from them. I mean, they couldn't find that final ball. I mean, they they probably could have won, potentially won that game four nothing last night because they had so many chances. But they're 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 going to be as confident maybe as they've been all season coming in. Uh, and you know, certainly the Union are the favorites now. And uh, you know, that's that, that can sometimes not be uh, be a preferred position to be in in, in the MLS playoffs. Yeah, I agree with you there, and we'll see what happens going forward. So, listen, Matt, excuse me, I will talk to you hopefully uh, next week, and we'll see what happens between Philadelphia and New York City. Good luck on the weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks. Good to talk to you. All right, great. Matt Ralph, brotherly game of SB Nation, joining us uh, today, talking about that big victory over Nashville SC it was 1-1 through regulation and extra time, and then, of course, 4-0 in the penalty kick shootout. Time to now head back into uh, New York City. Of course, joining me right now, uh, my good friend Michael Ander, Blue City Radio, covering New York City FC, as, of course, that one went to penalties after 1-1 in regulation, 2-2 after extra time, and then, of course, the 5-3 victory at spot kicks. Michael, I think you said you were confident that uh, New York City was going to go to uh, Gillette and they uh, blunt the razor and they uh, knock off the best team in MLS this year. Hey, Dan, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it it was not an easy game. Uh, I don't think either team would be happy with the performance uh, as far as – they're finishing, but they uh, they both got the job done when necessary to push it to uh, to extra time and to PKs. And uh, what can you say? Sean Johnson had a better night than um, than Matt Turner. Well, I mean, amazingly enough, that was Matt Turner's first ever penalty kick shootout after a knockout game. And I'll be honest with you, <clears throat> I-, I thought Turner didn't look well on his line at all. Um, I mean, not so much he didn't read anything correctly. I mean, look, it's a guessing game. You've got to guess correctly. But the one thing I don't like about some goalkeepers, and, you know, as much as I enjoyed watching Luis Robles play goal for the Red Bulls, the one problem I've always had with him was he would always give away his position on the goal line before the penalty kick would be taken because he would just jump early or make movements early enough where he would allow the penalty kick taker to be tipped off and he would convert. Yeah, look, I mean, I think I, I can't disagree with you. The the one thing that Turner needed to have, if he had done his homework, is just to have patience. Uh, NYCFC has a horrible record 
they've lost to teams like the Cosmos and PKs. They've lost to uh, Orlando, uh, you know, memorably last year. They lost to Pumas earlier this season. So they have a, a really bad record with uh, with PKs. Uh, it's um, it's it's not something that's new to uh, to, to people who know the team and, and have followed the team. And quite honestly, with with the injuries that NYCFC suffered during the game, and with the uh, Castellanos red card uh, in uh, in stoppage time, or I'm sorry, in extra time, there was not a lot of confidence because who did NYCFC have to put on the you know on the spot? Uh, except for players that you know hadn't hadn't done it a lot, and one of the guys that had suffered miserably was uh, Maxi Morales. Uh, I think there was a point, there was a stat that Maxi had missed as many PKs as he had made, had made with the club. So I think if Turner just stood his line, uh, even uh, Morales' uh, shot was a savable shot if uh, Turner just uh, guessed uh, guessed properly. No, I agree, um, but I have to say, I mean. Your side really worked hard. They had great opportunities. They found ways to sneak in, get those get those moments, convert those chances, and to see that red well, actually second yellow into red with Castellanos. To me, if I'm a supporter, even if I'm Ronnie Dahlia, I would be very upset because you know I don't know if he's done more of those tackles at the start of the season, but the three I've seen him do that, he gets suspended after the fact by disciplinary committee. He doesn't get disciplined on that or get even shown a card for, for that type of foul. And then he's already on a yellow. You're up by a goal. And yet you two footed the defender. And then you're, you know, you're basically out of there and you're, you're out for the conference final and this is a big moment for the club in its short history, and it could have been. And right now, it looks like it's in jeopardy. You know, you're not you're not wrong in in, in thinking that. You know, uh, if you watch the broadcast, uh, Stu Holden said that Castellanos had the record for uh, for this year is committing the most fouls in the uh, in the league. Now, again, some of those fouls might be uh, referees not liking his physical play and his. Uh, and, and his his nature uh, to to bump defenders, but when you're going to ground as an as a striker and you're in the offensive third of the the field, uh, it's uncalled for. It's 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 definitely one of those things that uh, that is is part of the development. Again, this is a young player that still has a lot to learn, and uh, it it definitely has to make uh, Union fans confident or more confident, raise their confidence to know that. Uh, you know, such an important piece of a uh, NYCC's t- attack is going to be watching from the sideline. And it must have been even harder to watch uh, Buchanan score that second equalizer because Gray, sadly, I- I'm assuming New York City already used up all their substitutes, and he's hobbling around. And you know, basically, I, I guess uh, he said later on he was just cramping, and he just couldn't get the cramp out, and that's why he was was basically hobbled. Was that the was that the reason? Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, it was just a cramp. Probably the biggest thing about this uh, this situation was uh, going into the uh, into the uh, extra time. Gray had already uh, shown some discomfort in his groin. Um, he he. It, it was definitely something with his legs. Whether it was a cramp that that grew because he was trying to favor something else in his leg, he was showing discomfort. 
during one of the stoppages, he went to Dyla and said, Coach, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling 100%. And, you know, according to Gray, Dyla's, you know, phrase was suck it up, uh, you know, push through it. And, wow. um, or I think, I think he actually said dig deep. I don't think he said suck it up. I think he said dig mm-hmm. deep. And Dyla even commented in the, uh, in the post-game press conference that, uh, that, yeah, this is something that they have to work on with Tavon. They have to improve his, his fitness in the off season to make sure that he's a, a stronger player. So I, I think that equalizer, I think Ronnie has to take a little bit of the responsibility for that equalizer because he had us one more sub to use. The issue was, he didn't have an extra window. But if you go back and watch, uh, Gray was in discomfort prior to Diley bringing in his last uh, substitution. So he could have brought in two guys and given Gray, uh, Gray a breather. I think the other factor was, given the, the injury to uh, James Sands, which happened earlier in the game, NYCFC really didn't have another player to put it right back, except for maybe Andres Jason, who is uh, more of a of a of an attacker and has really played a wing back, not as far not a a, a, a real uh, right back in a, in a four man back line. So I think Dyla was really rolling the dice there, taking the chance that Tavon would be able to to dig deep and fight through the uh, through, through the cramp. And you could see in that sequence, it was clear he didn't have it. And um, you know it's 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 unfortunate, but NYCFC was able to find a way to get it uh, to get it done. No, they were, and uh, you know you gotta give them credit for basically putting, you know, being I guess last team standing in some ways after uh, a team like the Revolution under a uh, historical Hall of Famer of a manager and Bruce Arena goes out and he pulls that off, which I'm not surprised he was able to get that type of performance done. But I will say this though, what really surprised me was just a poor penalty by Buxa that. Sean Johnson, which, look, I don't go against Sean Johnson. He's a veteran goalkeeper in this league. He knows what he has to do. He's done it many, many times in the past, and he comes out with a huge save. Granted, poorly taken penalty, but still, though, you got to guess right. No, I'm, I'm sure when you were talking about the Nashville uh, uh, game, you, you talked about poorly taken penalties, So you, and those were some, some of the worst, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, this one wasn't wasn't great. You always got to put it in a spot where it's tough for the keeper to get, even if he uh, even if he guesses right. And you saw that with uh, NYFC's NYCFC's first uh, PK from uh, Morales. Uh, he, you know, Matt Turner guessed the right corner, but Morales put it into s- such a spot with so much pace, and that's what uh, Busca, Buxa needed to do. And unfortunately, he he took a little bit too much off of it. But I think that's yeah. also the pressure of playing at home. I think that's where I think when you're playing in front of your home crowd, uh, I think the and when you're shooting second, I think that was key. NYCFC uh, was able to shoot first. Uh, that's where that pressure comes into play. Yep. No, that's very true. You got to win that coin toss, and if you do it, you you know nine times out of ten you win the penalty kick shootout. But even with Nashville, that wasn't the case <laughs> 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 on the road. Oh, man, that was just crazy stuff. So what do you have to worry about with the union right now? Obviously, they're on a roll. Uh, Andre Blake has just been marvelous in goal for Philly. Uh, We all know about Bedoya. We all know about uh, Shabilko, Gazdag. Um, you know, McGlynn, you know, Burke, everybody on that Philadelphia Union team is just 
amazing to watch. And, you know, these battles between both the Union and New York City have been absolutely fun to watch in the regular season. I think this will be their second time they're going to face each other in the playoffs. So what are, you, what are we expecting, Michael? What, are we, what type of fireworks do you think we're going to get down in Chester? I think the one thing that's going to be difficult for NYCFC, obviously they're going to have to figure out how to replace Castellanos' energy up top. So that's going to be a challenge. Even if they bring in a player like Abair who's fit, um, you know, where are you going to get that that the uh, the, the type of pressure from uh, on the offensive line that's going to cause a Glessness and a and Elliot to 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 be distracted because um, that also takes uh, it, it forces the fullbacks to, to to maybe sometimes stay pinned back because there's such uh, a consistent line of pressure from NYCFC. I think the player that I'm worried about the most is Montero because Montero didn't play in the last game when uh, Philly came to um, on decision day. And I think that's a, that's a situation where now, you know, NYCSC, if they go back and look at, look at film, you know, if they go back and talk about it, they're going to go, well, we, we handled uh, uh, the union. We were able to, to get to draw them even down a man for, you know, 60 minutes. And I think Montero is, is a piece that, uh, of the puzzle that uh, that could throw a wrench into it. And the other thing is Sergio Santos. Uh, you know, watching that Nashville game, uh, he did not have a good game. And you wonder if, uh, if, he, if he wakes up and figures that out. Uh, he had a lot of chances. He got into some dangerous areas that just didn't come across. So that's one of those things where uh, does he do enough in this week to get himself crisper, to get himself, uh, you know, sharper, to where those chances are a lot more dangerous because he was getting into, into the right spots. He just couldn't execute. So those are two things that yeah. I think uh, from an NYCFC perspective, you have to worry about because again, they both teams played a lot of soccer, uh, but Philly's got two more days extra rest. Yeah, I agree with you there. And we'll see what happens uh, in this one on uh, Saturday afternoon. Of course, that'll be at three o'clock start time um, on yeah, either, Sunday. I believe either. Yep, on that Sunday, that's going to be a lot of fun, and then we'll have to wait and see. Um, you know, I, I have to say that the, there was a lot of questions when New York City was on that losing streak, that big-time losing streak, and I think it all started after the back-to-backers against the Red Bulls. I mean, what did you think was going to happen before they broke out of it? But, and it took them such a long time to break out of it. I mean, did you think that their season was in peril? Was it, it was in jeopardy? What did you thought? Oh, a hundred percent. I did. People, people had justifiably written them out off the playoffs. They had uh, at one point trailed behind the Red Bulls in, uh, in positioning because of those two games. Uh, it was, it was a rough spell, but uh, it's, I think you you look at it and you, this, this is a streaky league. And I think the biggest factor was they came off of uh, an international break they have uh, NYCFC has always uh, prided itself in having guys who are um, you know, capable and, and worthy of playing on, uh, on their international teams. And uh, NYCFC started that slide when they were missing uh, their entire back line. They were missing, um, I think they missed, they were missing four, four, their entire back line plus uh, one midfielder. And uh, when they all came back, they came back and none of them were healthy or they uh, were just exhausted from the, from the time they spent with their uh, international teams. So uh, it was just a matter of giving them the time to, uh, to get healthy. And look, that's what puts them in this position where they're playing on the road. 
if they had won one more game, if they had you know done better, even if they had beaten Philly on decision day, this would have been a, a game that's being played in Yankee Stadium where the team is uh, is phenomenal, has a great record of of of, um, of success, and because they had that slide, because they they dropped the uh, what did they drop? They dropped eight points uh, against the Red Bulls. Uh, that's yep. a, that's a, a record that you can't they, they can't have, and if uh, if you want to go to a MLS Cup final, then you have to overcome that on the road on Sunday. Yes, you do. You really have to. So, you traveling down or no? Uh, you know what? I'm. It's it's still undecided. I, I did go up to Gillette. I'm going to tell you, it was a it was a you know great experience. Uh, I went up with my girlfriend and her sons, so we had a we had a great time. But it was really cold, and uh, we're still trying to thaw out. So uh, <laughs> let's see what happens. <laughs> So, um, but, you know, the, look, I think, uh, the most important thing we're worried of, we're, we're looking for is we're going to, we're going to watch the game on, uh, on Saturday because RSL pulls off a, uh, you know, another Miracle. upset and, uh, you have a really good chance. Well, you definitely have a chance. The, 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 the final will definitely be on the East coast. It'll just be a question. Yep. Of will it be in Chester? Or will it be in, uh, in the Bronx? Yeah, I know. And that's going to be interesting to watch and we'll see what happens, uh, on that one. It should be exciting to see, and uh, let's see what happens uh, with Philadelphia and NYC. So listen, Michael, thank you again as always. Hope to talk to you next weekend, and you take care, and hope to talk to you soon. Thanks again for the time. I appreciate it. No problem. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot, Michael. All right, everybody. Michael Anderer, Blue City Radio on New York City FC, as the uh, blue side of New York went up to Gillette Stadium in uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts, and they knocked off the New England Revolution, 1-1 through regulation, 2-2 through extra time, and then 5-3 in the penalty kick shootout as we are ready, roaring, ready to go to continue on here. And that means, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest, hopefully ready to go, this gentleman, uh, former another former SB Nation colleague of mine uh hopefully he's ready to come on and he of course he is the managing editor of rsl soapbox on real salt lake through sb nation and that is mr matt montgomery waiting for him to give us a call to uh come in and get ready to go for this one as we get ready to discuss the amazing run that Real Salt Lake is on in the playoffs. What an amazing run they are having. It is unbelievable. It is unreal to see what the situation has become. We all know about the uh, the, the problems the club has had. MLS, of course, is running the club after forcing uh, their owner out with, of course, those poor and disgusting comments, those, those racial comments that he had when he took over the club from Dave Checkets. And the run that they are on is just unreal to watch them go out and perform at such a high level in the playoffs. They may be down, but they're not out as Real Salt Lake knocks off 
Sporting Kansas City by a final of two goals to one. It has just been unreal to see what Pablo Mastroeni has done with this team. Of course, managed the Colorado Rapids for a time. Couldn't do anything good with them at the time, but you know what? After you get your opening chance, you get another one, and there it was for Real Salt Lake. They've taken advantage of it, and you know what? You cannot say what a great opportunity they have taken and that they have gone out and they have basically earned two consecutive playoff victories, of course, forcing themselves, uh, or shall I say, forcing Seattle Sounders to be put into the penalty kick shootout and doing it in Seattle. And then, of course, this big win over Sporting Kansas City as Salt Lake is now in the Western Conference Final. Matt Montgomery, RSL Soapbox of SB Nation. Matt, what has this ride been so far for you and everyone else in the Salt Lake City area to watch this club coming up huge in the postseason? Yeah, you know, it's been really uh, – there, there aren't good words to describe it, actually. Like, some people use Cinderella story. I don't think that really conveys the excitement so much. Like, it's it's been a fast rise, and that's the weird thing for me is we ended the season uh, – I mean, we ended this, the you know, last minute of the season really well. Uh, but before that, it was, you know, a couple losses against teams we should beat, losses at home. It, it's just – it's been kind of unreal because we, we started poorly. We you know, played mediocre soccer for a lot of the season, played very defensively. Uh, Pablo Mastroeni comes in, and suddenly we're an attacking side, and we're, we're scoring goals, but leaking goals. It's, I don't know, it's a whirlwind, and like in some ways it's very uncomfortable for me, but it's been really good. Oh, I bet it has been. What, what type of job has Pablo Mastroeni done I mean, basically, your club, that's his second chance at being a, a manager. What do you think he's done that has really changed the outlook for Salt Lake? Yeah, the players will tell you exactly what it is. And it's, it's those motivational speeches. It's the, the way he gets the guys up. Everyone says, like, oh, I'd run through a brick wall for Pablo Mascherini. I, I don't think that's realistic, of course. Uh, I am not going to run through a brick wall for anybody. Um, I value my... You know, bones too much, I guess. But uh, you know, that's that's the big thing. Is like he's he's a great motivator, uh, and apparently that's all this team needed to, you know, get hot at the right moment. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think another building block for this Salt Lake side has been David Achoa in goal. I mean, we know what he's done uh, for their at the time USL team. We all know they're going to start probably moving over to the. MLS Division Three League, but he wins a USL Championship title a couple of years ago, and look what he's doing now in goal for Salt Lake. You know, a major development uh, from him uh, to do his best. He's done his absolute best playing in goal for Salt Lake. I mean, what have you seen that uh, has amazed you about him being in net for yeah. Salt Lake. Yeah, you know, we, we all have those people in our lives who, like, really enjoy antagonizing. 
uh, who love to push buttons, who love to get reactions. And that's David Ochoa ramped up to 11. Uh, he is uh, he is wild. He will he'll taunt uh, opposition players. He'll taunt opposition fans. He'll even sometimes taunt referees. And, like, in some ways it seems, like, not advisable. Um, and it has, you know, it's got him into hot water a couple times. It's, you know, we started the season that way. Uh, when he, he kicked, we won at Minnesota United and he kicked the ball into uh, their whatever they call their their uh, end of fans, uh, and it it riled people up and a fight sprung up, and that's been David Ochoa for the whole season. Not not that dramatic, of course. That's easily the most dramatic instance. Uh, but you watched him uh, when Real Salt Lake conceded a penalty on uh, I guess a week ago, not a week ago, uh, last Saturday. Or Sunday, mm-hmm. one of those two. Sunday. Right, right, right. Uh, you saw him like do a, a come on motion, like like bring it, and he didn't save the penalty. Um, you went the wrong way, but that didn't impede him. And that's the really kind of strange thing is nothing seems to impede this guy. That's that's a miracle. That that's amazing. I mean, the level of confidence. He has in his abilities as a goalkeeper is just amazing to watch. That's just crazy. Being down by a goal at Children's Mercy Park, you know, what did you think it was going to be? It was like going to be, you know, a sporting Kansas City dominance again in front of their home fans? Or did you expect them to come and rise to the occasion in, in those final 45 minutes? Yeah, I had no idea what to expect, honestly. Uh, Real Salt Lake has just one victory through the entire regular season uh, in a, in matches where they were uh, losing at halftime. You know, and that's not uncommon throughout the league. When you're le- losing at halftime, you tend to lose the game. Didn't instill me with any confidence. The one time we'd done it was a a match we came back against FC Dallas, who were just really bad this year. Uh, but we somehow managed to like stay composed. And that was the big thing. There were, there were big moments throughout the regular season under Pablo Mascarini uh, in which RSL didn't look at all composed with massive losses to Portland Timbers, you know, as kind of the chief front of mind example for me. Uh, but, you know, we, we stayed composed and didn't give up another goal. And, you know, I guess that motivating speech came in handy. What has Bobby Wood meant to Salt Lake? I, I mean, I have to be honest. To see Bobby Wood convert late miracle goals for the U.S. men's national team, and obviously his his career in the Bundesliga looked like it was coming to an end. The club brings him on, and he gets that big-time second-half stoppage-time goal to put you guys into the Western final. Yeah, you know, he had two goals throughout the season is all. Uh, He had one assist. He was not a productive player. When he came on against Seattle, I thought he looked pretty bad. Uh, and, you know, we don't, we don't want our former U.S. national team striker to look bad. He's not exactly, you know, past it. He's had his injury problems. Uh, he's, he's 29 years old. He should be, you know, scoring goals, right? That's kind of what you expect from a, a player in the prime of his career. Um, but at the same time, like, we've seen big goals from him, and I guess I shouldn't be surprised uh, – he scored when it mattered, and that, that was, you know, it's exactly what you want from your veteran striker, uh, even if he isn't scoring through the regular season. No, exactly. Uh, that's what you need from a guy like that 
to get those big goals at the right time. He did so there, and it's just amazing to watch. What what should you be concerned about or be aware about when you're taking on the Portland Timbers at Providence Park? We all know the big support they get over there from their hometown Portland fans. What concerns you about this final against Portland? Yeah, that's a good question for me. Um, I shouldn't say my confidence is high right now, but, like, in some ways it feels high. And, like, in a false way, uh, because, you know, we, we've lost big games to Portland. Uh, we lost 6-1. Like, it's just, you know, it, it's not not the thing that should instill you with confidence. But in a way, like, those extremely bad results almost do fill me with a little bit of confidence uh, because it, it lets – I don't know. It gives the team like that extra motivation. And this has been a motivation and like, you know, soft skill team throughout. You know, we, we've got skilled players. We've got underrated players. Uh, but we put together a roster that, you know, has uh, not impressed a lot of people through the season. You know, and that mentality, that, that up against it mentality, coming up against a team that, that really walloped you through the season. Uh, you know, it's, it's something to be scared about, certainly, uh, but at the same time, like, give me some, some strange, almost unwelcome confidence. And I think Portland's going to be missing some players. I think Darren Esprilla is not going to be able to play. Maybe even um, one more person. I believe it's Sebastian Blanco. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Uh, who might not be available as well, Sebastian Blanco might not be available. Do you think that's in the uh, advantage of uh, Salt Lake, or do you feel Portland's still strong enough that they can uh, go out and dominate? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's it's really going to come down to a, a battle of wits at that point, I think. Um, Portland is, is deep enough to have been the four seed through the season, uh, and that, that tells me a lot. Um, it's always, always hard when you lose your best players. But this isn't the MLS of 10 years ago, or even eight years ago, when Real Salt Lake was in the the, <clears throat> the MLS Cup against Sporting Kansas City. Uh, one or two players don't a roster make, and that that gives me you know a, a little bit of caution. We might be coming up against players that we don't know as much about, that are hungry for a spot, that want to prove something, and that's something that I you know I think Real Salt Lake has to watch out for. Exactly, and I agree with you there, but I think it's going to be a great match. Matt, listen, I appreciate you coming on again. Thank you very much. I hope you have a good night tonight, and good luck on Saturday against Portland. Thanks. Have a good one. All right, you too. Matt Montgomery, managing editor of RSL Soapbox of SB Nation, as Real Salt Lake are going to take on a very, very confident and a very hard-nosed Portland Timberside who – a miracle probably was going to go into extra time until one goal, one single goal actually uh, was put in by Maibala, Mabiala, excuse me, made it 1-0 in the 90th minute, Darren Esprilla, in second half stoppage time, sent off with a red card. And that's a big loss for Portland. But still, though, they're still a solid team. And who's managing the Portland Timbers? Giovanni Savarese. Giovanni Savarese has been an excellent 
manager in his time. He's been an excellent player in MLS in his time. Without a doubt, doing well uh, when he was running the New York Cosmos and now, of course, being with the Portland Timbers. Anytime you have Giovanni Savarese either on the pitch or in his technical area, he has that feeling of a winner because he has done so being a winner. Because without a doubt, with Giovanni Savarese, there is no doubt in my mind, no doubt in my mind, that that man, you've got to plan very strongly against his team and go out and conquer as much as you can. Because if you slip up, Gio is going to knock you down. Trust me. I've seen him as a player for the Metro Stars, now, of course, the New York Red Bulls. He has been an amazing, amazing striker and has scored many prolific goals in his career in MLS. You name it, he's done it. Such a good person in American soccer in all those circles. So anyway, once again, Colorado, they were the dominant team in the first half, but then somehow in the second half they just lost their way and the Portland Timbers found a way to go out and dominate their game. And that is why the Timbers went out and got victory against Colorado within those dying moments of regulation before they got into second half stoppage time. So once again, it's going to be a very big moment for these four clubs going into the conference finals. And it's all going to be first on Saturday, December the 4th. It'll be on Fox Sports 1 as the Portland Timbers will host Real Salt Lake at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 3.30 p.m. Pacific over at Providence Park, also on Fox Deportes. And then it will also be on Sunday, December the 5th, the Eastern Conference Final at 3 o'clock Eastern, uh, 12 o'clock, 12 noon Pacific, the Philadelphia Union hosting New York City FC at Subaru Park. That will be seen on ABC as well as ESPN Deportes, and that will be with John Champion and with Taylor Twelman on Saturday. It should be um, <clears throat> Stu Holden analyzing. And, of course, John, um, I forget his last name now. I can't believe I've done that. Uh, it never happens to me. I usually remember these uh, these people's names. But anyway, uh, let's also not forget that on Saturday, December the 11th, depending on who wins the matchup, but if the Portland Timbers do win their matchup, they will host MLS Cup Final, and that will be seen on ABC and Unimas at 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific, at Providence Park. But if Salt Lake wins, then it will be held in the East, and that will be at either Subaru Park or Yankee Stadium. Uh, We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. But still, though, it's going to be very interesting to watch how all of this is going to unfold. And also, I'd like to pass along, of course, uh, other news 
the final match on the U.S. soccer calendar of 2021 for the U.S. men's national team as they will be hosting Bosnia and Herzegovina over in Carson, California uh, at Dignity Health Sports. And that will be the final match of the 2021 U.S. soccer calendar year. And then uh, also, let's not forget, whoever wins this one, uh, will advance to the CONCACAF Champions League. The draw will be on December the 15th at 6 Eastern, which you could see on either Fox, uh, Fox Sports 1 or Fox Sports 2, uh, or even TUDN. Uh, you can also go to CONCACAF's Facebook page or CONCACAF's YouTube page, YouTube channel, to watch the video live. And um, hopefully, hopefully I can... Uh, definitely say that I can do a uh, CONCACAF Champions League draw review show uh, that I can probably bring on some people and uh, we'll have a conversation. So it should be exciting. It should be a lot of fun. And I personally cannot wait to see what's going to happen there. And of course, let's also not forget as well, this coming Friday night, I'll be joined by Devin Kerr, uh, analyst for ESPN and CONCACAF World Feeds for World Cup qualifying, for Gold Cup, Nations League, CONCACAF Champions League, and any other CONCACAF events uh, will be joining me to review uh, Orange County's 3-1 victory at Alang Stadium at the home of the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Uh, so that will be this Friday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Pacific. And then, of course, uh, the following Monday, conference final review show. And then, of course, we'll get to the uh, draw review. Uh, some exciting moments here uh, for some of these teams, especially over in Canada. We all know what's been going on with the Canadian men's national team and their current World Cup qualifying campaign. Let's also not forget, they're going to, for the first time ever, for the Canadian Soccer Association, they will have two representatives in this draw not just Club de Foot Montreal representing MLS winning the Canadian Championship, the Voyagers Cup, but also it will be the Hamilton Forge who has officially advanced to the Champions League draw in CONCACAF. And that will be, you know, the first time that we're going to see a team representing Canada, not from Major League Soccer, from the Canadian Premier League advancing to the round of 16 draw. So excitement galore for Canada. And it's not just what's been going on with the men's national team. It's also been what's been going on with the Canadian Premier League, especially uh, Hamilton Forge. And of course, we'll get to those other representatives from the Caribbean, Central America, and of course those sides representing the FMF in Mexico at Liga Mackey. So uh, it should be exciting. It should be fun. And um, we'll just have to wait and see what the situations will be. So it's going to be very exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I personally cannot wait to see what will happen then. But as we have said, um, it's going to be exciting and fun. And it should be a lot of fun when we get to the conference finals this coming weekend. And we'll see what happens moving forward. But other than that, I want to thank my guests tonight. I want to thank Matt Ralph from the Brotherly Game of SB Nation. I also want to thank 
Matt Montgomery, RSL Soapbox, also of SB Nation, and of course, Michael Anderer of Blue City Radio. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. Join me again on Monday as we'll review the conference finals. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care, everybody. So, so long. And bye-bye for now. Have a good night, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.